Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. We're sons and daughters. We should get all answers are yes and no, they're not. They're not. He doesn't take away everything. He doesn't physically heal all the time on this planet. And I know it's the thing like, yeah, but you'll be physically healed in heaven. That's cool, but I don't live there right now. What we need to know, if he's answered a no for you, his grace is sufficient for you. When we see how Jesus performed miraculous healings in the gospel, it can be discouraging if we need healing, but God doesn't seem to be answering those prayers. And yes, we know that one day we'll be able to live apart from any brokenness in our bodies, but Pastor James mentions today that sometimes that doesn't feel at all encouraging. And yet, God still offers us comfort right now. Even if He chooses not to provide physical healing, His grace is sufficient for us in this moment, and we can trust Him. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Mark, chapter 5, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. They're like, who touched you? He kept looking around, so it seems as though he like just totally ignores what the disciples are saying. They're like, what is he? He's crazy. Everybody's touching. He's like, no, 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 just stop talking. Like, there's somebody here who reached out to touch me. Who did it? The frightened woman, verse 33, trembled at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him. And told him what she had done. This is now the third person in this chapter who falls down at the feet of Jesus. She's like, it was me. You have to understand, in this moment, she exposes herself. Because the people of this town know who she is. And they know what her issue is. And they know that she's unclean. It's in this moment where she has to take that step, that courage, that might risk her some embarrassment to step out and be like, it was me. As everybody in the crowd panics, because they're like, oh, she bumped into me. That means that I'm unclean. That just cost me. Now I've got to take some time out before I can go back to the temple and worship again. I mean, they, they take this stuff very seriously. They're, you can go over to Israel now, and there's some of these guys who take this very, very seriously to where they see this Gentile, Texan. They love Texans, by the way. That's another reason you should go to Israel, because they love Texas. They just do. I mean, it's a cool thing. They got Texas flags flying in like downtown Jerusalem. I felt really at home there when I was there. The, the other reality of that is like they will go out of their way to avoid making contact with you. Not all of them. Because again, remember, the gondola pressed in, like, right, like really, really pressed. Like, you're not avoiding any contact in those situations, right? But there are some who see you walking down the sidewalk, will go across the street to walk on the sidewalk on the whole other side. There are some sitting on an, in an airplane with you who will make sure they do it, whatever it takes to make sure that they do not bump into you. I know what that feels like. I know it. I'm not offended by that. Whatever. That's their deal, right? They're caught up in that. I get it. This, you've got those same people within this crowd. 
And then as she raises her hand and steps forward, you can understand for the crowd's sake, they're all like, <gasps> scandalous. What just happened? Did she touch me? Did she touch you? I don't know. Let's just, let's say that she didn't. So we'll be okay. You don't have to worry about it. Wait, she touched him. She touched the rabbi. And I know we can see this stuff and we're like, what's the big deal? Why, why make such a big deal about this as touching those rules and all that good stuff? Look, it was part of the law when they moved from Egypt into Israel. And, you know, there was a whole, you know, way of living life and all that stuff that Moses, through the Lord, obviously had to write down these things for these guys of like, look, here's how these people live in the land now. You're moving into land. These are the rules. This is what has to be practiced in all this good stuff. There's a reason for these things. Now, if you know anything, you go to the book of Acts and some of those dietary laws are, are done away with and all that good stuff. I mean, a lot of this stuff is, you know, when Jesus came, he fulfilled the law. He fulfilled the law. You don't have to worry about any of this stuff now. Like, like somebody have like a flow of blood and all that stuff. I don't want to touch it. That's nonsense now, right? Like we don't have to worry about those things. The defilement. You're clothed in the righteousness of Christ Jesus. Okay? You don't have to worry about that. What are these people into? Should I avoid contact with them? No. They're, def- they're not going to get onto you, so to speak. I think we live our lives sometimes of like, in fear, just like these Jews within the crowd of like, I don't want to get too close. don't want to get too close because I don't want their stuff on me. And Jesus is like, you are missing why you're on this planet. Totally missing it. So I get some of the crowd reaction, but I mean, this is the reality of what she would, she would encounter. She has to step forward. She has to own it. And she tells Jesus, this is what I did. I just thought if I could just touch the hem of your garment, I'd be made well. Here's my story. 12 years. 12 years. The whole time she's telling Jesus her story, you know Jarius is losing it. He's like, we have to go. We have to go. We have to go. Cool story. We have to go. Because my daughter's dying. And this interruption is very inconvenient. So she's telling him all that stuff. Verse 34, Jesus addresses her and says, daughter, first time. Probably, I think technically the only time this, this term is used in the Gospels for this specific term addressing this lady. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Not my hymn, not my garment. Your faith, your trust in who I am has made you well. The, the garment was just a point of contact. That's all it was. He says, go in peace. Your suffering is over. And your suffering is over. You've been set free. You're healed. You're restored. I do want to point out these last two few things before, and we'll wrap up Jairus' story, but concerning this, this daughter, as Jesus would call her, he addressed her publicly, and there, there's a few reasons why we think that he addressed her publicly. Instead of just moving on, he took time to stop and actually address this. And I've already spoke to it a little bit, but the, the second reason, I'll say this, that he addressed her publicly was for the sake of the crowd and for the sake of Jarius, so that they would know, like, he's got power over sickness and diseases. And they've already seen this. I mean, he's been healing people, but this would be something, but that they would also know like, look, she has been set free. She's been made clean. 
So publicly, societally, they would know like she can go anywhere she wants. She can go into the temple. She can go, she can go in and go to church and all that stuff. She can be restored back with her family and all that stuff. Jesus is making that a public proclamation for the sake of the crowd and for all, and for Jairus, the church leader of that day. She's set free. She's good. He also did it, I think, primarily for the sake of her so that she would know you are healed. Because that thing of that doubt creeping in, that thing of that fear creeping in, did it really work? Yes, it really worked. Go in peace. Go in peace. And that's what he's communicating to her is like, because Jesus knows, he knows that as soon as she turns away and gets home, she's, she's going to have that thought of like, oh, but what if it comes back? What was that feeling? Was that it? Did it come back? Did it not work? He's like, he removes all that from her mind and says, no, you have been made whole. Go in peace. Go in peace. It was for her. It was for her. For her, for the crowd. And we, we need to be reminded of that, that the Lord Jesus, man, he knows how to, he not only knows how to heal us and how he wants to heal us and when he wants to heal us, that's his business. Do we, I want healing 100% of the time, but that's not how it works. We know that from the Apostle Paul because he prayed multiple times for a thorn that was in, you know, this, this thorn in his flesh to be removed. And God said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is perfected in your weakness, Paul. You're going to be okay. I'm going to leave it there. And we're like, what? No, but we're sons and daughters. We should get all answers are yes. And no, they're not. They're not. He doesn't take away everything. He doesn't physically heal all the time on this planet. And I know it's the thing like, yeah, but you'll be physically healed in heaven. That's cool, but I don't live there right now. What we need to know, if he's answered a no for you, his grace is sufficient for you. His power is perfected in our weaknesses. He knows how to get you through. He knows how to get you through. For this lady... He answered, he, he healed her, and he, he communicated, your suffering's done, your peace is over. Go home, go home. So there's a, there's a whole other story, because this, this story of her healing has been bookended, you know, with Jarius coming to him, but then we, we got to finish that story. And it says, as he was still speaking to her, verse 35, messengers arrived from the home of Jarius the leader of the synagogue, and they told him, your daughter is dead. Your daughter died. There's no use in troubling the teacher now. Leave him alone. He doesn't need to come home with you anymore. She's dead. She didn't make it. She didn't make it. And can you imagine this dad who fought the crowd to get to Jesus, to have an audience with Jesus, begs him. And she's like, yeah, cool, let's go. And he's going. And then this lady, I mean, I'm glad, I'm happy for her. But man, timing is horrible. Because if we didn't have this interruption, he would have, my house is right there. 
my house is right there. Can you imagine the, the, the weight of, I mean, his heart probably just dropping as this news reaches him. The news he'd been dreading for so long. Well, we don't know how long she'd been sick technically, but he had 12 years of sunshine. And in a moment's time, the storm clouds rolled in and he's experiencing the darkest moment of his life. Flip side, you have a woman who had 12 years of dark times and the sun just rose on her, on her story. She's dead. Just let him be. Let him go on to do whatever he was going to do. Jesus overheard them and what they said to Jairus. And so Jesus speaks to Jairus and he says, don't be afraid. Number one, do not be afraid. Don't let this news move you. Don't be afraid. Just have faith. And we know that Jairus took him at that word because they continued on to his house. Don't be afraid. Just have faith. Jesus overheard him. He's like, hey, hey, Jairus, I need your eyes right now. Don't let this news consume you. Let's go to your house. Verse 37, Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anybody go in with him except for Peter, James, and John, the three. These would become like the inner three, John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. And he went inside and asked, why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead. She's only asleep. Technically, she is dead. But Jesus sees on a whole nother scale, okay? Why they, there's a lot of people. What they would do commonly back in the day in this region, they would hire professional mourners, okay? You're going to be mourning yourself anyways, but you, there are people who, and I, don't, I just can't even, these are like, you know, and, and no offense to lawyers are cool, but the ones who chase down ambulances, you know, you kind of get that notion of these guys. I'm like, these, these guys in this story, they remind me of like buzzards. Like, this is your career? You get paid to professionally mourn. Can you imagine if they're like circling your house? You're like, hey, get, go away. Like, no, there's nothing here for you today. Like, no, nah, I don't, nothing, right? Come back at maybe a birthday party or something, but get away. Like, this is, but they're, they get paid to mourn. They get paid to do this stuff. And, and they're probably friends. They're, there's probably some relation there and all that good stuff, whatever. But the bottom line is they get paid to do this stuff. And Jesus walks in. He's like, what are you guys doing? She's not dead. She's just asleep. And their response to him tells everything. They're kind of like pig farmers. The crowd laughed at him. It says the crowd mocked him. The crowd mocked him. The crowd made fun of Jesus. Jesus walks in. He's like, what do you got? Stop, stop, stop. She's okay. And then immediately their, their weeping and commotion switches to mockery. To mockery. They turn on a dime. They start, literally, they're making fun of Jesus. Making fun of Jesus. And I love what he did. He kicked them out. <laughs> he booted them. 
He's like, don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you, right? He's like, get on out of here. Like, I think that's a Texan thing. Um, I don't know. But anyways, he's like, get out. And this isn't like, you know, gentle, like, hey, can you guys please leave? He's like, there's the door. You want to mock me? You want to make fun of me? Get out. Out. We don't need you here. Jesus wasn't worried about them. He, didn't, he wasn't worried about them, and all, but he, what he didn't want was their influence on Jairus, who he just told him, don't be afraid, have faith. And then for him to walk into his own home and these people who somebody paid the money to turn on, not just on Jesus, but on Jairus. Because when you're mocking Jesus, that's my savior. That's my savior. You're mocking me to a certain extent. Now, Jesus would tell us in, in the Gospels, like, hey, when they persecute you, they're not persecuting you, they're persecuting me. Well, guess what? You're still connected to that equation. And then, no, it's not about you. It is directed at him. Don't make fun of my Jesus. Don't mock the one who died for all of my sins. Do not do that. And when people show up in your life and they want to do that, there's the door. Well, that doesn't, no, we didn't need to be nice and play. There's the door. There's the door. Now, you want to come back and talk respectfully and all that good stuff. We can have those conversations. But if you want to make fun of the one who died for my sins, there's the door. Adios. It's not a good witness. No, what's not a good witness is Christians who have no spine. That's not a good witness. Jesus is like, out. Bominos, get out of here. Like, I don't need you here because you're not helping at all. And he, he kicks them out, get out, escorts them out of there, whatever. It says, he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying, holding her hand. Love this. Just please put yourself in this story. Gently holding her hand, this little 12-year-old girl. There's Jesus, the creator of the universe who formed and fashioned this little girl when she was in her mother's womb. He's already kind of held this little girl once before. Grabs her by the hand, very gently, very lovingly, and speaks to her in Greek. He says, Talitha, kum. And now Mark uses the Greek translation here because he knows his audience, who's going to be reading this book and all that good stuff. He probably did speak to her in Hebrew, but we have it written down here in Greek, and which means, little girl, rise. Little girl, get up. So just lovingly, gently, those hands, man, those carpenter hands of his that know how to tear fish and that know how to tear bread and that know how to heal lepers and that know how to heal women who've been sick for 12 years. Grab that little girl's hand and says, hey, let's wake up. Let's wake up. She wasn't sleeping. She was dead. And she's been resurrected back to life. Says the girl who was 12 years old immediately stood up and walked around. She's popped up because that's what kids do. Not like some of us who are like, I feel like I'm dead. And this little girl's like, bing, I've been, I died. Okay, cool. I'm going to go run around and play games now, right? Like, oh, praise God for youth. And yeah, well, 
And some, yeah, for me, it's, it's just too late. And there we go. So enjoyed it while you had it. So anyways, she's popped up. She's walking around. They were overwhelmed because imagine there's, there's Jarius and there's his wife and there's their 12-year-old daughter who they watched. She was dead. She's been brought back to life. They're amazed. Jesus told them, he gave them strict orders. Don't tell anybody. What? Yeah, don't tell anybody because it's, it's, it's not time for that right now. That day will come. Right now, just enjoy the moment. Just enjoy this moment with your daughter, okay? Enjoy this moment with your daughter. Don't tell anyone what had happened. And he told them, give her something to eat. He's like, she's probably hungry. Get her, all 12-year-olds are hungry. What are we talking about? See, Jesus knows, he knows more about parenting than any of us do. And he's like, 12-year-old kid. He's like, she just died. She's been made, brought back to life. She needs food, right? Get that girl a falafel. She'll be good. There's your daughter back. And yeah, I have power over sickness. And I have power over the dead. I have power over death. And I'll end it with this. The ones in your life who are dead, he can bring them to life. He can bring them to life. He can do that. He can raise anybody to life. So if you have your own Jairus' daughter within your life, just know this. You be like the people that we just read about in this chapter. Will there be a woman who's got her own issue that has just inflicted pain upon her? I'm going to do whatever it takes to get to Jesus. May that be your mindset. May that be our mindset. Whether you're sick or healthy, it doesn't matter. May that be our mindsets daily. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get to his feet. But then also, thinking big, who is it who's lying on that bed, so to speak, that deathbed, where you're like, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get to him so he can raise them to life. These are, what we need. These are the things we need to be doing, actively pursuing Jesus for ourselves. You'll benefit from that, but for the sake of other people. And if you don't have any other people, you need, you need some other people. In your Bibles, I, I do this commonly within my Bibles. I write down people's names. I told you guys this before, front page, the back page, where all those blank pages are, I'm never writing Bible. I don't have sermon notes. So anyways, but I don't, they're not in the, even the right place for sermon notes if I were to do that, because at the front, they're at the back, right? It's just inconvenient. They're not there for sermon notes. They're there for people's names. They're there for prayer requests. I don't know if that was the intent, but that's what I'm making it now. You write down people's names. Who is on that deathbed that you need to... You need to get to Jesus for their sake. He knows how to show up at the right time. He knows how to show up and to raise them back to life. He knows how to do that. Write people's names down. Pray for those loved ones. Man, you aggressively pursue Jesus. You pursue Jesus. You pursue Jesus. And watch, watch what he does. He's still in the business of healing. He still is. He hasn't stopped that. He's still in the business of healing.
Thanks for joining us today here on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. We're walking through the Gospel of Mark, one of the accounts of Jesus' life while he was here on the earth. Mark offers unique perspectives on this time, emphasizing Jesus' servanthood to the people that he met. Jesus loved practically, often, and with everyone. What a kind and humble servant we get to serve. If you need to hear this message again or you'd like to catch up on previous teachings, visit our website at breadforthebroken.com. Once you're there, simply click on the Listen tab and feel free to explore the variety of verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter Bible teachings. Bread for the Broken is a ministry of Calvary Galveston. And if you're ever in the Galveston area, we would love to have you come visit us. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. for a time of worship and Bible study. Our Thursday night Bible study starts at 7 p.m., and you're welcome to come join us for both. Our atmosphere at Calvary Galveston is relaxed, so feel free to come just as you are. For more information, visit our website. Once again, that's breadforthebroken.com. You can get directions there as well. We're excited to meet you and spend some time worshiping with you. That's all the time that we have for today, but we're so glad that you listened in to hear from God's Word. We encourage you to read ahead in the book of Mark and to gear up for what's ahead in this New Testament book. There's so much to learn, so much to know about Jesus. So make plans to join us again, right here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you.